Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's roundup. Got some news to report, some pretty cool questions, and an awesome interview with Michael from Badass Consoles. I had a lot of fun in that interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So uh, stay tuned for that, and let's get on with the news. The company 8BitDo just released the Super Nintendo version of their Retro Receiver, which is a Bluetooth dongle for the Super Nintendo that allows you to connect pretty much any Bluetooth controller. The Nintendo version that they released, uh, I believe last year, works really well. Um, not much perceivable lag, at least with, um, at least with on a CRT. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually test this yet, but some people on the forums have reported compatibility issues. But I'm sure it'll get worked out, because 8BitDo is usually pretty proactive with their firmware. And their SNES 30 controller, which I already reviewed on the site, is absolutely phenomenal. So pairing these two together, um, it'll be like, I think it'll be like a true wireless Super Nintendo controller. Um, the only other thing I'd, I'd love about this is they announced it the day it was ready for sale. So it's different when you have privately funded stuff, you know, one person or a small group of people doing it. But if you're an actual company... I hate the whole hype thing. Oh, yeah, you know, we're releasing this six months from now, but we'll tell you now, and there's probably going to be a month of delays. So it's really cool that they actually just release a product and say, go buy it on our website right now. So I'll keep everybody updated if there is major issues with this, but it, it really sounded from the forums like a couple of bugs that'll probably just be fixed with a firmware update. I was finally able to try a Wideboy 64 adapter for the N64. Now, the Wideboy 64 is kind of like a Super Game Boy adapter, but the biggest difference is it wasn't made by Nintendo. Nintendo hired it out to a third-party company so that game reviewers would have something to be able to capture the footage on a real CRT for their reviews and you know pictures for the magazines and stuff like that. Um, it's very rare and very, very expensive. I was lucky enough that Zach Labertini, a.k.a. Mike the Microphone Online, was um, purchased one and allowed myself and a few others to take a look and review it and kind of check it out. And I had kind of mixed feelings about it, because this was like the coveted go-to device for a while for anybody that really wanted Game Boy Advance in 240p RGB. Before the Game Boy interface was announced, before a lot of these homebrew projects, really the only way you can get 240p Game Boy Advance uh, was with this. So I'd always wanted one, and I almost bought one for $600 a few years ago, and I just chickened out at the last moment. I said, I can't really afford to do that. So... I ended up finally testing it this time, and I think because of the hype, I was a little disappointed. After I kind of sat on it for a few days and then went back and played again, it's actually a very good piece of hardware. Um, there's just a few strange things about it. So the sound isn't good at all. It almost kind of reminds me of like if you had a Game Boy Advance handheld with a broken speaker. Um, the video's good, but when you power it on, it has a filter on automatically. And then you have to use the Z trigger button and hit it twice to turn that off. Once again, not really sure why twice, but once the filter's off, it does look really good. Um, and you could use the analog stick to zoom in, but the zoom is actually terrible. Uh, so, I mean, even just using the zoom function on my HDTV was a way better option. 
Um, but I got to try it through the Ultra HDMI and also regular RGB out through an RGB monitor. And overall, I thought it was really good. Um, if it was about the same price as a Super Game Boy, or, or even triple that, if it was $100, I would probably say, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the N64 and you like playing it with a controller, definitely pick it up and see. It's just the sheer cost of this thing is what makes it so prohibitive. So if you're, um, if you're a collector and you want it just to get an amazing piece of gaming history, then absolutely go for it. It's very, there are very few things that are as rare as this and, and useful as well. But if you really just want to play Game Boy Advance games on a TV, the Game Boy interface software with a Game Boy player is definitely still the best way to go. Um, and also, there's different versions of the Wide Boy 64. There's one that only plays Game Boy and Game Boy Color, and the one that Zach let me borrow actually played all Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. So if you do want to look for something like this for collector's purposes, I'd obviously recommend trying to get the one that plays all, but if you can get a good deal on the other one, it's still a really neat piece of history to have in your collection. South Park creators Matt Stone and Trey Parker just uploaded a video to YouTube that's kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the latest game they're coming out with called South Park Fractured But Whole. That should be out this fall for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and it's kind of a great look to see how they made the game and what improvements they made. And those guys always throw themselves headfirst into all the projects they do, so it's kind of cool to just really see how much work went into it. I haven't played the original one for PS3, the Stick of Truth, but if you buy this game, and or pre-order this game, you actually get the Stick of Truth for free. So I'm sure I'll end up doing that. I'll probably get my PS4 when the, uh, the PS4K comes out, and I should probably just pre-order this one now anyway, so I end up getting both games. But it looks really cool. It looks like you're actually playing a South Park game. So if you guys are into that, definitely check it out. A jailbreak was just released for the latest version of iOS software. Now, I normally wouldn't really report on anything jailbreak or iPhone related, but I know a lot of people play emulators on their phones and iPads, and jailbreaking is a common way to do it. And I felt the need to report this because it's not your average jailbreak. So the usual ones, you plug your phone into a uh, directly into a computer, run a piece of software, reboots a few times, and that's it. It's jailbroken forever until you change the software on it. This one, it's more tempting to use because all you have to do is go to a website and you could write from your phone itself, but it's not the same. Every time you reboot your phone, you have to rerun a certain program. The jailbreak itself doesn't last um, forever. You have to, uh, I think, much like after rebooting, rerun something, I think, every seven days. So I wanted to report on it both. If you really wanted to do it, I'll leave the links in the description, but also how to install emulators without jailbreaking. So there's a few different ways to do this, um, and I'll leave one of the main ways as a link to it. Um, uh, and there's another company that actually does it as well, where you pay them, uh, and they give you a license certificate. So that's how you can get all of the emulators on without actually jailbreaking. So both are good ways to play emulators. I still use them now and then just to test games or stuff when I'm really bored, but... Um, you know, as time goes by, I really stick to the original consoles, but uh, I just figured I would report on it for anybody that's into that stuff, and just to warn you not to treat it like a regular jailbreak, or you end up, might end up with a phone that doesn't work right. Another batch of the PSIO was released last week, and it sold out within an hour. So, the PSIO is a device that plugs into the serial port of your PlayStation 1, and it requires a mod chip-like device to be soldered onto the mainboard. It's not a mod chip, it's basically just a switch 
that routes the PlayStation's data signals between the CD-ROM drive and this device. Uh, and then this device has an SD card that allows you to play uh, PlayStation 1 games directly from it. It was kind of weird because there was no there was no notification at all. They never said, oh, we're going to do a pre-order next week. I just got an email because I'm on the mailing list, and it said, you know, for sale now, a batch of 100. And I jumped on, and, you know, anytime you have a bunch of people rushing a site, there was website issues. I had to try like 10 times before it went through. But I was able to get one, um, but it sold out immediately within the hour. So it's uh, this has been one of those products that's sporadically available, and it, it's... I haven't had time to test it yet because I haven't gotten mine, but um, yeah, it seems cool, but it, it just I really wish there was a an easier way for them to sell it to people, and I really love the way that GameTech and SuperG have been doing things, so maybe they'll just open up a pre-order list like those two guys were doing and just have a constant stream of orders going through, because just you know, bum-rushing a website as soon as you can just to try to get a pre-order is never efficient for anybody. Um, but I'll test it as soon as it comes in, and I'll let everybody know how I think it works. And uh, if you guys have already tried one, let me know as well. It looks like Nintendo's really trying to capitalize on the NES Mini and the, the whole retro revival thing happening, because now they're releasing an official retrospective book that's about 17 of its classic NES games, and it's shaped like a gigantic NES cartridge. So it seems pretty neat. I'm not sure if I'll get it. I don't, I, you know, I have too much stuff as it is, so I don't really want to clutter my, stu- uh, my office up with anything more, but if you're a Nintendo collector and you like you know neat, unique things like this, um, you should probably check it out. It looks like everybody's trying to capitalize on the hype of the NES Mini, because now the company Retrobit has just announced a console nicknamed the Generations, so it's going to come preloaded with a bunch of licensed games and have an SD card slot for you to put ROMs on, and it's got an HDMI out and has two controllers that look like Genesis 6-button controllers. Uh, I haven't had good luck with the RetroBit consoles. Um, I'm assuming this is just basically an Android emulator box like everything else. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's going to be awesome. But this just, uh, you know, it just smells of another third-party garbage product to me. Sorry if anybody from RetroBit's listening, but just being honest. Um, And as always, they announced it with no release date. So I'm sure just like everything else, there'll be, you know, 10 delays and it won't actually come out for a year. But... Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it'll be a neat little console, but it just looks like another garbage throwaway toy. And yet another company trying to piggyback on the NES Mini. At Games is releasing two 25th Anniversary Edition consoles, but I actually think it's two that they've had out for a while with just a different box on it. I I could be wrong, and please leave in the comments, correct me if I got this wrong, but it's basically a plug-and-play Genesis with just composite video out, not HDMI or anything. And then a handheld that plays Genesis games, but it also has an SD card reader in it. So I've seen this before, but I never really paid attention because I don't like the clone consoles. The handheld actually looks kind of neat. So if anybody's used one of these before, please let me know. Does it stink? Is it actually good? What games can you play off the SD card? Um, But yeah, they don't look like new products. They just look like cheap branding that are trying to piggyback on Nintendo's marketing. And for what I promise is the last bit of NES Mini-related news, YouTuber Daft Mike has uploaded a video of how he made a 3D-printed case for a Raspberry Pi that looks and functions just like a Nintendo, and it's really cool. So it's uh, while those other companies were capitalizing on Nintendo, this guy just took it to a different level and made it his own, and it's really awesome. So if you guys like tinkering or anything, definitely check out the video and see what he did. 
Information was released that Nintendo's NX console, the successor to the Wii U, will actually be a handheld gaming console with detachable controllers that can plug directly into your TV. It supposedly runs off NVIDIA's Tegra mobile processor, which is pretty powerful, as well as ha- running off of cartridges instead of disc-based games or download only. So, I really don't know how to react to this news, because on the one hand, the NVIDIA Tegra processor is very powerful, but on the other hand, this is basically just going to be a glorified tablet. So, maybe that's a good thing? M- maybe Nintendo will do what everybody else couldn't and kind of combine everything they've learned, but... I mean, I can't help but think of some of Nintendo's failures in the past when they tried to do something so outrageous. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to pan out um, and how this is going to affect the company, because after the really minimal success of the Wii U, if this is a failure, they're pretty much going to have to turn into just a software company. Uh, I don't know if we would ever see another Nintendo console after this one. So I'm obviously a huge Nintendo fan, and I'm rooting for them, but it's kind of a strange announcement, and we'll see how this all turns out. The Nintendo version of the 240p test suite just had an update to the stopwatch part of it that allows you to use the high-def NES as a lag tester. So let me just explain a little bit what this is all about. Um, If you have a high-def NES, which is the HDMI mod for a Nintendo console, and you don't have the HDMI cable plugged in, the composite video output works perfect, looks just like normal. If you do have the HDMI cable plugged in, you still get some signal out of the composite video port, but it's not a full color image and you can't really see most of what's going on on the screen. So Teple's updated the 240p test suite's stopwatch so that the information that you see on the screen throughout that composite video cable shows the frames and subframes of the stopwatch test. So that means you could take your high def NES, plug it into a flat screen TV, and then plug the composite video port into a CRT, run the stopwatch, and either take a slow-mo video with your cell phone or use a DSLR with a high shutter rate, and take a picture and see the exact difference in frames and subframes um, between the two devices, essentially turning it into a lag test. Um, it also proved that the 240p or the uh, high-def NES doesn't have any inherent lag at all. It uh, it showed up with the same frame and subframes, which we already knew from talking to Kevtris and how he did it with no frame buffer. But it's always nice to visually see things like that. So if you have a ROM cart and you have a Nintendo modded with the 240p test suite, um, it's something you should really give a try. And I encourage everybody to test their TVs for lag. Not just that, but test lag in different modes, 720p or 1080p. Test lag with game mode on and off, maybe with different inputs if you have one of those Vizio TVs with the specialty inputs. Because it's always good to know what you're working with, and it's always good to know, too, if there's little tweaks you can do. Like uh, Phone Dork often talks about how his, I believe it's a Sony TV, has much more lag in 720p mode than 1080p, so he makes sure to always try to get a 1080p signal to it. So stuff like that's really helpful, and if you could share that information, even if you just email me and I'll try to um, compile a list, I figured it would help yourself and the whole community as well, because flat screen lag is still a huge problem and something that I've been trying to work through. RetroUSB.com has started pre-orders for the special edition of the AVS, which is the FPGA-based Nintendo console that outputs HDMI. Um, it's a little bit strange, so if you had purchased... Uh, something from RetroUSB.com before, one of their custom games, um, or one of their World Championship games, you post in the forums a picture of what you bought from them, and then you get a slot, a pre-order slot. 
and it's $650 for this special edition, which is not anywhere close to what the final price is going to be. This is just for the very special edition. Um, but you get, you know, then you're able to pay in pre-order and you'd be one of the first to get it. Uh, I really don't know how I feel about this. I mean, half of me thinks this is really cool. It's almost like some kind of weird camaraderie. Like, all right, you know, we, you know, we bought your awesome world championship game a couple years ago. Now you're allowing us to be first because we were all part of the same club. That's kind of neat. But the other side of it's just, why don't you just open the pre-orders? I mean, it's for a $650 console. It's not like these things are going to be swooping in, you know, like uh, the regular ones would be. But I tried to get Bunny Boy on again. His reputation of being elusive and impossible to get a hold of is pretty much spot on. So hopefully we'll finally get him on the podcast to talk about what he's done. Um, and, and I really wish he would have been on to explain this because maybe maybe this is a lot cooler than I think it is, and I'm just looking at it from the right or from the wrong perspective. But as soon as the regular editions go on pre-order or sale, I'll uh, tweet and Facebook about that immediately, and those will be fair priced and it's the same functionality pretty much. But it still looks like it's an an awesome console and a great alternative if you just want a 720p NES. So I'll keep everybody updated, uh, and if anybody knows more about this, please let me know, because maybe I just missed something. Now on to the Q&A. Red2503 asked, Is there any quality loss if you use the output ports of a BVM to output an RGB signal to another RGB monitor? Um, I haven't found it. Um, you know, there's anything can go wrong. You could have bad cables, bad ports on the inside. But assuming that everything's in good condition, I haven't seen any quality at loss quality loss daisy chaining things together i actually use this most when doing things like going from a console into an rgb monitor into a capture card or then maybe from the monitor to uh, a video processor and out to a flat screen tv but generally speaking i wouldn't really worry about any problems as long as you just get good bnc cables next radiri obayol tell me if i got that pronunciation right uh, it says, on your upscale comparison page, you list monitors with zero lag. Do you mean zero lag when working with an upscaler, or zero lag when going directly from 240p? Um, that's an excellent question, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because I totally forgot to specify that. When I was testing these monitors, it's from an upscaler, so you're either getting a 720p or a 1080p signal. Um, and that is something that, when I eventually do find good, uh, fast TVs... I'm going to get all of that info. So if they're compatible with 240p signals, I'll test that lag as well. So when, I, when I'm when i able to recommend any of these TVs or monitors, I'll be able to say, here's the specs for every scenario. So thanks for asking that. And um, yeah, the, the ones that I had spoken about were um, through 720p or 1080p, but I will be testing all. Next, Navid Farbkash actually posted a video that shows somebody going through SNES power problems, which is kind of something that we were talking about a few weeks ago, but I thought it was a pretty interesting video. Um, I wasn't able to verify any of the technical findings, but the guy sounded like he knew what he was talking about, so um, I would suggest giving it a watch for anybody that has any kind of SNES um, wavy line issues or any kind of horizontal lines that they think it might be power-related. Maybe it's along the same lines that this guy found. So thank you for passing the video along. And I'll try to find a way to, to put this on my site somewhere as well. Maybe uh, if any of the electrical engineers are listening, you guys could take a, a watch to this video as well and, and tell me what you think. iCashO had a question about using the Toro with an Xtron RXi and maybe a Framemeister. 
Um, and I know it's really confusing, so I just wanted to very quickly go over it again. Uh, if you have a Dreamcast and you have a Toro, which is the best uh, output box you can get for it, um, the Toro has a sync combiner built right in it, which sync combiner meaning VGA signal of RGB HV combines the HV into S, which is just sync. Um, so if you use the SCART output of that directly into like a, a G-SCART switch or or even directly into the SCART input of a FrameMeister through the, the FrameMeister's adapter cable you'd have to buy, but um, then it'll work perfect. His setup also included an Extron RXI203, and if that's the case, there might actually, if you need more ports on your switch or if for whatever other reason, you could just use the Toro's VGA output and go directly into the 203. And in that case, it wouldn't matter if you had the sync combiner on or off because the Extron device does the same thing. Um, but either way, the, the input of the FrameMeister um, through the SCAR adapter requires RGBS. So either way would work fine. Um, and I know it makes it confusing, but that's one of the reasons I love the Toro is it just it does everything. You need the SCAR RGBS, you need VGA, RGB, HV, you need regular RGB, whatever. It does it all of it. So I hope that cleared it up. And maybe I should do a video about the Toro. Uh, if you guys think I should, let me know. Maybe that'll help clear things up a little bit better for, uh, and put it in the Dreamcast page for people that aren't 100% sure. Uzmaki82 asked, If I can discuss on the podcast what I know about modding consumer CRTs for RGB. So I actually talked at great length with Michael Moffitt last week about this, and my Skype recording software failed on me halfway through. So if anybody knows any software that's good and reliable that doesn't continue to crash and has good quality video, please let me know, because uh, I really was sad that I missed that whole middle chunk of Mike and I's conversation. Um, but to answer your question, um, so I kind of have split feelings on this. First and foremost no matter what uh, this consumer grade TV you have, even one of the awesome Luvas or, or even just a great Sony uh, CRT, you're not going to be able to match the quality of an RGB monitor. And it's just simply put, I mean, your average low end, you know, low end RGB monitor was $5,000. The BVMs like uh, the widescreen one I was lucky enough to get, or the a series 20 inch were 20 to $30,000 and up. So no matter how good your you know $3,000 consumer-grade CRT was back in the day, it's not on the same league at all. But that being said, you can get a better picture out of it if you know what you're doing. And just a quick disclaimer, if you don't know what you're doing and you touch the wrong parts on the inside of a CRT, you could die. Not just electrocuted out, like actually die. So please, please, please don't do this unless you've done something like this before. But um, if you actually take one of these TVs, and you could kind of go in and uh, using some of the information that's been posted online, which of course I'll, I'll leave links in the description, uh, you could figure out where to make the inputs. And one of the tricks that Mike was talking about was that you actually use the on-screen display input. So while the TV's inputs are S-Video and Composite and Component, and they all go through circuitry that you know modifies and changes the image, filters, things like that, the on-screen display menus are generally in just RGB. So what Mike did on a bunch of his was wire RGB inputs directly in, add uh, resistors in a circuit just to make sure that all the signals were what the TV uh, was expecting. And then he mounted, I think, a... Uh, 
I don't think he mounted a SCART connector. I think he mounted a VGA port, but you could mount whatever you'd like to get that uh, RGB signal into it. And it's really good quality, and it's better than S-Video, and it's better than Component, because a lot of the Component video um, boards inside these TVs uh, did kind of mess with the signal a little bit. Mike went into detail on that. I don't know enough about it to talk about it without sounding stupid, so I'll just leave it at that. But um, And if you're somebody that really loves hobby projects like this, it seems like a ton of fun and something you would enjoy. But if you're really just looking for a higher quality signal, this is a lot of effort for, for something where you'd get a lot more gain if you took that effort into finding an RGB monitor or going and getting a good upscaler and finding a, a flat screen TV with less lag. So uh, I hope that answered the question right, and I hope it uh, was a good way to, to answer that whole modding a consumer-grade CRT on it. But I hope to have Mike Moffat back on again, uh, probably when he gets back from uh, his, I think he's doing the internship now, so we could talk about his new projects and we'll have the CRT conversation again. Um, but for anybody that's kind of interested, I'll post the link to the forum that people have been doing it on. So I uh, hope that was good enough. Alpha Tryon asked, when you say jail bars, are you talking about the overscan stuff on the sides or faint bars in the middle? Uh, I'm talking about the faint vertical bars that are going down the middle. Um, these are most commonly found in blue backgrounds. You could still kind of see them in other colors, but it's really the blue where it stands out the most. And they're not as noticeable on CRTs, um, mostly because of the way the CRTs have the scan lines going across. It kind of blends in. But if you know what to look for, you could definitely tell. But on flat screen TVs through an upscaler, and for me, capture cards is when I could really see them the most. Uh, they're very, very noticeable, and they're worse on some systems other than others. So Genesis and TurboGrafx-16 usually have them bad without mods. I don't, I rarely see them on uh, Super Nintendo systems. But yeah, I'll have the, the picture up there for people watching on YouTube, and uh, hopefully that illustrates exactly what they are. Peter M. asked if I've tested the HD RetroVision cables versus RGB on a BVM, and if I could do a video or a side-by-side -side comparison. I have tested. Um, I played through, you know, a couple levels of uh, Super Metroid. You know, played through a few bosses on one and then switched to the other. And to be honest, I really couldn't tell the difference at all. Um, my monitor, when you switch between component and RGB, um, all the settings are different, so it retains the uh, separate settings for each. So when I switched from one to the other, it was too bright, so I just turned the brightness down. Um, but that was the monitor settings. That wasn't that wasn't their cables or anything. Um, but after just a quick tweak, I mean, I really honestly couldn't tell the difference. And I had, when they I first tested them, I actually expected to do like a full side by side comparison. And when I took the screenshots, it was just two identical looking pictures next to each other. So um, if somebody has any ideas on how maybe I could do it. Um, RGB2E on the Shmups forums actually showed me a way to upload two pictures and show the difference between the two. So hopefully I'll get to that and be able to um, and be able to maybe test it that way. But that would really just be getting into the semantics of it. Um, to to my eye, I honestly couldn't even tell the slightest bit of a difference. So I hope that answers your question. And for the last question, Elite Fetishist, <laughs> what a name, um, asked. The Extron RXI boxes seem to have been retired from the manufacturer's website. Are there other solutions? 
Um, there are a bunch. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head which ones are out there, but the fact that they're discontinued products is a good thing because you could find them really cheap on eBay. Um, not every day. You have to just kind of keep your eyes open, maybe put one of those save searches up there. Um, but I've found a ton of the 203 RXIs for $50 and less and the 201 RXIs for $35 and less. You'll still see expensive ones up there, but it's generally from uh, places who've bought it for, you know, I, they figure they bought it for a thousand bucks a couple of years ago, so they'll probably get 300 for it now. But they'll usually come right down in price. They'll be up there for a few months and they realize nobody's buying them. But just be patient and look on eBay. Uh, if you really, really want a new device like that, just look up Sync Combiner Devices. Um, and see if that's something that pops up for you. But I would stick with those because they're cheap, and you will find them usually within a few weeks. Okay, up next we have Michael from Badass Consoles. We talk about everything from the GameCube video project that he's working on to other stuff he's selling, and just generally nerd out like we usually do. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it as much as I did, and I'll see you next week. Hey guys, we're here with Badass Consoles. What's up, man? How's it going? So, uh, the first thing I usually like to ask everybody that's on, what the hell is your name, man? I've been talking to you for like a year. I don't think I ever asked your name. <laughs> uh, my name is Michael. Michael. Okay. And uh, what are you on the forums? Where am I on no, the what, forums? What's your, don't, uh, don't you have a screen name that you use in the forums too, or is it just bad? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. My, my screen name is Megalomaniac. Right. Okay. So, I've actually been talking to you a lot longer than I thought then. I thought that you are you, but... So you've been contributing a lot for a long time on both the, the GameCube Forever, or the GC Forever forums, and a bunch of the other ones as well, so... Correct. Correct. I've, I've been around for quite a few years. Hmm. So your store, um, at the moment, is the one selling the Ultra HDMI kits, and you're promoting the GameCube video kits as well, right? Correct. So that's, I think, um, you know, the Ultra HDMI kits are amazing, but I think because not many have hit uh, the market yet, I think everybody's really thrilled about the upcoming GameCube stuff. Um, what's that looking like? They should like? be. <laughs> what's it looking like? It's looking good. That's what it's looking like. Awesome. So where uh, as far are as you? progress, what's that? Yeah, as far as progress, how that's looking, I'm currently in progress of uh, soldering all the boards together, putting all the components on, uh, doing the uh, final uh, testing side of it right after that's completed, and then it'll be ready to ship right out. So you're actually not using a board house? You're assembling all these yourself? We're doing everything by hand. Wow, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Did a, uh, a rough calculation last night. Uh, uh, I, I usually stream on Twitch, like under like creative, mm. uh, as, as I'm putting this together. And we did a rough calculation and, and figured it was somewhere about 52,000 solder points that have to be made to complete this first run. That's insane. Wow. It is. <laughs> it's really insane. So are you baking on the, the tiny components and then hand soldering the rest? No, no. I am doing everything, every single thing by hand. Wow. That's a lot of work. I yeah. am, I, I, I'm not very good at soldering. I try my best. I'm not awful. I'm certainly not those guys that, you know, cover their whole consoles in glue or anything like that, but when it gets to the really fine pitch soldering stuff, I just, it's not my forte. I can't even try to do that. Right. Yeah. It, it takes, it takes a little while to get used to. It's not something you just jump right into immediately, but after a little bit of time, yeah, sure, sure. It, it, it could be done by just about anybody. It just takes uh, practice, dedication, and uh, maybe someone to show you like a couple of tricks to help you 
uh, get it done. But really, anybody can do it. And decent tools. I never realized how much of a difference just buying a good soldering iron made. And you don't yes. even need to spend 500 bucks. The, I got a cheap knockoff for like 65 that, That's just night and day difference from the crap I was using. Yeah, it, uh, the knockoff irons, typically the most uh, common knockoff type is the uh, the little Heiko, what, 936, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that's typically the most common. It is a good iron, uh, e- even the knockoffs. They're, they're pretty good. They're, they're not, you're not going to get the exact same performance that you would out of a, uh, an actual Heiko, but uh, it's good enough. It's, it's a lot better than your 10-watt uh, 10, 10 iron that you get at Radio Shack. Right. Yeah, I get a lot of beginner questions that I always try to field. And I always, you know, as much as I try to put the expert info on there, I do try to tailor my site for beginners just for people who want to do one or two. And, you know, if you're just doing a three-wire mod on a SNES Mini, just go buy that $10 soldering iron. But if there's ever, I tell everybody, if there's ever even a chance you're going to do more than one mod, just spend the money and and just get something different. It just really makes such a difference. Uh, I would actually tend to say it depends on the mod that you're going to do. For example, let's take GameCube. Mm -hmm. Uh, With with GameCube, if you try to desolder, like, the the, uh, digital port connector, for example, uh, the digital port connector... Oh, I don't have a GameCube on me. Uh, The digital port connector is... uh, uh, It it, it has a, a shielding around the connector itself. And that shielding is, is, is soldered directly into the GameCube motherboard. So when you try to put your soldering iron, if it's like a little 10-watt uh, Rat Shack iron, uh, Radio Shack iron, sorry. If it's a ten, like little uh, $10 Radio Shack iron, when you put that, uh, that, that uh, iron onto the pad, that metal is going to act as a heat sink. And it's going to take all the heat away from your iron. And even worse than that, the uh, connector itself is, is, is tied into the GameCube's ground plane on the, on the motherboard. Mm-hmm. So you have that ground plane also acting as a heat sink. So that's what really helps out when you get the, uh, uh, like the, the knockoff irons that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have a lot more power, 60, 70 watts. And that can really deliver uh, a constant, uh, well, at least a better maintained tip temperature to mm-hmm. apply it to uh, a ground plane like that to help you desolder it properly. Yeah, and it's most noticeable in stuff like, um, like I uh, did a couple of the TurboGrafx-16, the internal RGB mods, and you have to desolder the RF shielding, which is the entire metal right. plate on the bottom. And the, yep. the better soldering irons, you crank that up to a high wattage and a high temperature. You know, you pull off the thing, and then you turn it right back down to the lower one to get the little solder points. And the temperature changed in less than a minute both times. So that was yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Temperature control is very important. If you don't know what your temperature is, or at least what temperature you're trying to get to, uh, it, it's it, it, it's it's like trying to shoot in the dark. You're, you're never going to know uh, well, if you've reached your target. You know, is there, like, an online repository for that that I could post up? So, you know, the EEV blog videos are all great, but they're all pretty long, so it's, you know, it's not something for the faint of heart. Is there, like, a basic chart that I could link to that's like, all right, we'll use 300 watts for just small, basic PCB soldering points and crank it up to 500 for RF things, or is there just, like, kind of just going to know what you're doing? Well, uh, no, there's actually a little bit more involved than that. 
it, it also depends on your tip size. Right. So if you use like a very fine, fine tip and you're trying to desolder like the uh, connector, on the digital port connector on the GameCube, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, that tip, the, the very fine tip is not going to be able to generate enough heat mm-hmm. uh, or, or maintain such a, a, a uh, high heat. But if you use a wider tip, then at the same temperature, whatever temperature it happens to be, that wider tip is going to allow more heat to be applied. So there's a lot more to it than just knowing uh, what temperature that you're going to be at. It's also what tip size you should use, uh, what tip style. Uh, flux. Flux is a big help. I never used Flux until about two years ago, and one of my friends still <laughs> always told me, like, why aren't you using Flux? You know, and I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I do all the mods fine. They look nice. They work fine. And then he, he just basically was like, you're a moron. Go buy a Flux pen. And I did, and I never went, looked back. I felt stupid for never buying one in the first place. And I, even I'd the cheap ones off it. Amazon are good, too. I'd hate to say that I agree with that statement, that <laughs> you are a moron if you <laughs> Flux, yeah. but it's pretty important. It really is. It just Flux just really helps your solder bond to the pad. Yeah, and even stuff like um, when I do the N64, the basic RGB mod, not Tim's, I always make sure not to let the wire go through too far because it just pokes through on the other side. And when using Flux, I could actually do that and hold the motherboard up by that wire. It's that solid of a connection, even though it's only yeah, just it the is. tiniest little tip of the thing on there. So it yeah, made I've, the world I've never done that, but I, I, I'd agree with that, yes. Yeah, no, I wouldn't suggest people do that, but it was just <laughs> yeah, was like, how that. strong is this don't thing? Do that. You know? but, yeah. yeah, don't so. do that. But yeah, you can try it. But don't do it. Don't do it with someone else's console. Do it with yours. Don't there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's what we can say. Yeah, don't do it with someone else's consoles. I've gotten so many emails the past few weeks ever since I mentioned on the podcast that somebody on eBay, which is it, it's nonstop, but they're selling garbage modded consoles. Just it, it looked pretty embarrassing, and they're charging through-the-roof prices, and then very often they link back to my site as if, like, they're an approved event. <laughs> it's like, holy yeah. God, You know, if that's, that's your own work, fine, practice, learn how to get better, but don't sell that stuff. I, I think our community that we're in is uh, plagued with uh, price gouging. Yeah, yeah. And shoddy workmanship as well. Yeah, agreed. And it's, you know, it's hard to try to gauge that. And I think, you know, anytime somebody jumps on a forum, you know, trolls aside, everybody's usually really friendly and helpful and, you know, but it's it's really hard because what are you going to do? Be the eBay police and then go on and look for consoles and report them or something? I don't, not only do I not have time for that, I wouldn't want to do that anyway. I don't want to, but it's kind of hard. You gotta, well, I guess the only thing you could do about something like that is hopefully try to just reach out uh, to... A, as much people as possible. I mean, you have this video weekly, right? A weekly yeah. segment. If more people retweeted, you know, just different, uh, 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 just, uh, you know, everybody's work to be able to uh, educate everybody, educate the community, get the word out, you know, that, that I think in itself would really help to allow people to not get caught up with purchasing a, a, a bad uh, uh, service. Yeah. You know, you just gave me an idea. Maybe I'll take a video of all my bad mod work for all my stuff where I was, like, practicing something or testing and, and do a video of redoing it just to show my own stuff so I'm not, I'm not shitting on anybody else's work. I'm making fun of myself. But that way I can show how not to do it and how to do it. 
and just make that a separate video and hopefully people will be able to share that. Not that I'm some soldering expert, but my, I mean, if you see some of the SNESs I've done now, you'd be like, all right, nice. And if you saw the first one I did, you'd go, oh God, what did you, what did you do? <laughs> so maybe I should do that just to, just to kind of, kind of get the word out, I guess. As long as you don't use zip ties, uh, I think you're fine. Yeah, I've, I've had some pretty pretty backward solutions before, and you know, there's a time and a place. We had um, I worked for this company. We sold all-in-one computers, and I was on the design team. And this is way before the iPad, so all-in-one computers now is laughable. But um, and they, this one company said, all right, you know, we're putting an order for ten thousand. Bring them to this trade show next week. But by the way, we need a monitor-only version too, so we could do dual screens. Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, bring one of those next week too. Oh shit! So I called the supplier. I called the manufacturers. No problem. No problem. Six weeks delivery. So I took one of our computers. Nice. I went to Walmart and I bought a 17-inch flat screen, and took the guts out and tied, glued whatever I had to do to get that sucker to stay just for the trade show because I knew that the actual production models were, were legit monitors, and it worked. And I think that monitor lasted like six years or something held together by zip ties, glue, and whatever else, whatever awfulness yeah. I put in there. So there's a time and a place, but not if you actually plan on keeping something for more than, you know, a day. So, but I always yeah, laugh glue, at that. I, 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 kept... I, I, I think glue's bad. Glue just is one of the things that shouldn't uh, go into a lot of uh, a lot of mod work. Uh, I, I understand, yes, you might want to glue something down to, like, for routing purposes, wire routing, or, uh, but, you know, why not eliminate wires altogether and just come up with that smarter solutions, cleaner solutions? That would be way better. I've tried, like, the, um, the SNES digital audio mod. Um, I've tried using the ribbon cables, so there's, you know, there's five on a strip, and you kind of cut them and even them out. And it, it took 10 times longer than just using a bunch of, you know, thin wires and then running them through heat shrink tubing. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, I don't, I don't glue any solder joints, but the only time I really use it now is for something like, you know, I have the, the heat shrink tubing on it so it keeps it together. That I don't really need it for routing, but in shipping. I mean, I've seen boxes go down flights of stairs on a regular basis, so I'll just put the tiniest little dab on the bottom and then I'll... The part where the actual heat shrink tubing is, I'll stick onto the glue just to kind of keep everything from getting really yanked around during shipping. And that's and that's not often. That's only when I know I'm shipping overseas. But I don't sell modded consoles. This is just for buddies of mine that ask me to do work for them. But that's the last of my glue that I've been using in the past few years. That and obviously we have to glue in the the digital audio connector. But I use epoxy for that. So that's you know in a little yeah. Um, too. There's no way to uh, mount the connector like in a different fashion not the way the board is mounted now um but i would prefer that to be honest with you especially uh, because i like being able this to digital put... audio on the uh, super nintendo right yeah i could put that on my list no <laughs> awesome if you could yeah the other thing boardy designed the board and it, it works great but for i just i really hate cutting plastic unless i have to so for the snes mini it's yeah perfect but for the one chips um I removed the RF module anyway to put the uh -huh. thing there. So if I had an actual coax digital audio, I wouldn't have to cut anything at all, and you could use the RF mounting holes so you wouldn't actually need any glue. So if you wanted to make one of those, hell, I'd, I'd promote the shit out of that one for you. I think a lot of anybody <laughs> with a, a, a big SNES would probably love that because it would be a perfect fit with no cutting. 
Yeah, I can uh, take a look at it. The only thing I have right now is a, uh, a uh, was it the Junior, the Mini, the yeah. little small one. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one I happen to have available on me. But uh, yeah, I can look into purchasing one of the uh, big boys. I'll, I'll just send you one of mine. I got like twenty of them. Look, this is all about no, 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 <laughs> no, no, retro. No, RGB don't, don't send me nothing. <laughs> don't send me nothing. It's gonna be months till you get it back. <laughs> Yeah, I got a guy that sent me a Dreamcast like uh, seven months ago because he wanted me to develop a project for it. Uh, he didn't say, you know, what to do. He just uh, sent me the Dreamcast and said, you know, do something with it. And uh, so I, I actually have a design that I've come up with, a super secret design, that I haven't tested yet. I, I have not had the opportunity to test it, but I do have the design. I do have the uh, – I did send it off, get the circuit board uh, uh, back already. I need to populate it, test it. Hopefully I can get something with Dreamcast going on. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the guy sent it to me for seven months. He had no expectations as far as time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like whenever I had time available. So if you send me one of your consoles, you probably won't see it till next year. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, it's obvious how swamped you've been. Yeah. So you said you designed this stuff. What's your background? Do you do this for a living as well? No, no, no. Uh, I, uh, I do have a background in uh, uh, engineering, but um, this is not what I do uh, professionally. Hmm. So this is just a, a hobby, a passionate hobby you do. A time-consuming uh, hobby, well, too. <laughs> a very time-consuming hobby. Actually, I have uh, now decided to, well, very recently decided to go full-time uh, badass consoles because I just was not having enough time to uh, do anything simple like get out GC video. I've been working on this for like a year and a half already, mm. and I, I still have not uh, been able to get it out. So... Uh, the, the biggest problem I had was, you know, uh, doing like a full day at work and uh, coming home on the backside and trying to get all these installations done or trying to find uh, time to develop new ideas or uh, uh, even just trying to finish a design I've been working on. Mm-hmm. There was just not enough time in the day. So uh, I, talked to the, uh, I talked to the wife. Uh, we made the decision, and I'm going to be uh, trying to uh, – hopefully do this full-time from the uh, next couple of years at least. It, it, we planned it out already. Uh, financially, we're stable. It's not a problem. So that was kind of the benefit of it. Yeah, so, congratulations, I got about man. two awesome. years to, to, to make this happen. Yeah, that's really cool. Congrats. That's, uh, Thank I'll, I mean, and you got a lot of products on the horizon too. So now, not just the GameCube video, but you've also been selling the mod chips too for the, um, the GameCube and Wii, correct? Uh, the drive replacements you're speaking of. Drive replacements, yes. Drive replacements. I'm not allowed yes, to say yes. mod chips. Yeah, it's actually funny. You can get if I if I put a T-shirt on eBay that says mod chip T-shirt, it's literally just a shirt. I can get banned for selling a mod chip on eBay. So wow, wow, that's amazing. Gotten a little yeah. crazy, but yeah. Could you explain a little bit about that? Because um, I've been following those for a while, and it's still. There's some of the like the model names sound a little similar, and you know, maybe you could explain to people what they do just to kind of clear it up. A uh, the drive replacement. Yeah. So the um, okay. What was the? Uh, I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry, man. I'll let you go. Well, through. currently there's a, a Wasp Fusion. That's about the only drive replacement that you can uh, currently get today. It's the uh, I, I don't know if you can say the successor of the Wiki Fusion, mm-hmm. but um, uh, it's what we have now. Uh, the Wasp Fusion is uh, is 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 a device that you can connect to your GameCube or your Wii, 
and you do not need to utilize your DVD drive. Instead, you can uh, uh, play your titles off of an SD card with about 99%-ish compatibility. Including titles. audio and everything? Uh, well, uh, audio, yes, but there's one thing in particular, uh, audio streaming is one of the biggest issues where the actual uh, FPGA on the, uh, the the way it's programmed on the uh, drive replacement, it does not pass through the uh, audio data. Uh, it, so uh, it's broken within the uh, drive replacement itself, uh, uh, audio streaming is. But if you also connect that drive replacement back in line to your uh, original DVD drive, then with just one simple wire jumper, you can re-enable uh, audio streaming. That is awesome. I did not know that. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, But you, you must use the uh, disc in that case for the audio streaming titles. But we're only talking about, like, uh, what, like 80 titles and, like, 30 of them are Japanese only. So when yeah. you say audio streaming, what exactly do you mean? Because I read somewhere somebody was playing like Crazy Taxi and the music wouldn't play through it or something like that. Is that... Okay, yeah. Uh, audio streaming is a process where on the uh, disk drive hardware, the GameCube's disk drive and also uh, the uh, Wii drive, uh, it takes an uh, audio data and it converts it into a... Uh, a, uh, a different type of data that then gets sent into the uh, the GameCube's har- or the Wii's hardware to uh, process the audio data. Mm-hmm. Well, this function is only performed on the drive itself, physically on the drive. So that's why if you remove the drive from the uh, from, from from the uh, uh, from the console and use only the uh, drive replacement for the Wasp Fusion. Uh, the Wasp Fusion does not have the hardware to uh, recreate that uh, data structure that's required for audio streaming. And not only that, the uh, firmware, the code on the FPGA uh, did not provide a solution for that. So the video that you saw with the uh, Crazy Taxi, mm-hmm. um, that's actually been fixed through uh, playing through SD card on a uh, SD gecko that goes into your front slot. Mm-hmm. Now with uh, Swiss Homebrew, you can play uh, an SD uh, card uh, game through the memory slot, and it will have audio streaming now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So uh, even if you had your uh, Wasp Fusion and you did want to reconnect your DVD drive, you could still make up some of those audio streaming titles by using uh, SD Gecko. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, and uh, what other products do you have? Obviously, you're one of the sellers of the Ultra HDMI, but um, what else do you have up there? Uh, well, for the longest time, uh, I've had uh, Mega Drives, which not to be confused with... Uh, Sega Mega Drive, but as I uh, indicated earlier, my uh, username on the forums is Megalomaniac, and the uh, product is called Mega Drive, uh, basically because it was a method to, uh, uh, it, it was a circuit board that allows a quick connection of the, uh, the Wasp Fusion, or a Wiki Fusion, or a Wode, and 
what the Mega Drive does is that just solders uh, uh, directly onto the GameCube motherboard, or there's other versions where you can just stick it right in, uh, just plug it right in, no soldering, no nothing involved. Uh, just plug it right in, and then you just connect your uh, Wasp Fusion to it, and you're ready to go. So that's uh, Mega Drive line has been around for a couple of years already. Uh, it's gone through. There's different versions, different revisions of it. Um, it's gone through its phases. Uh, and as far as that, uh, what GC Video is coming out, uh, spare parts for GameCube, and there will be a few more surprises coming in. Hopefully this year. Hopefully. Well, let's definitely talk about the GC video then, because I think everybody's right. still kind of at the edge of their seat for that. So um, I guess yeah. timetable, features, just throw it all out there, because everybody wants to hear it. All right, timetable uh, was supposed to be at the end of this month, but I'm still in the process of soldering. So uh, I'm probably looking at maybe next week, hopefully. Okay. Uh, hopefully, maybe the end of next week. So by the time this video airs, uh, uh, that weekend... So, uh, first week of August, hopefully, the very end, first week of August. Cool. Um, features on it. Well, the best feature of it is 40p, of course, progressive video. Now, what the uh, progressive video does is it allows the, uh, the, the, the games to, of course, display so much higher, sharper resolution, better colors. Uh, better than what you would think uh, you could... Ex well, okay, if you think of, like, a, a composite mod, or not a composite mod, but just composite video off a uh, uh, NES or Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. and then you do, like, a RGB mod to it, you get huge improvements in quality. Right. Well, you could expect those same huge improvements in quality, except you'll also be gaining additional clarity uh, and in the form of being able to display a completely different signal, uh, interlaced versus progressive. And I imagine also uh, because it stays in the digital realm the whole time, that, that with no analog conversion, that that's probably a, a quality. Uh, I mean, you're not you're getting the most quality you possibly could because it's processed and then sent directly to HDMI, right? Well, that depends which version. Yeah. There's a GC video analog, mm -hmm. and there's a GC video digital. The digital does have. Uh, uh, direct direct digital. It, there's no analog conversion whatsoever. So there's uh, there's about th th uh, this is probably about the best you could get with uh, zero loss of uh, data mm -hmm. of, of video data. And but not to mention also uh, audio data, digital audio. It's it's just it's amazing. Digital audio. You, you uh, for anybody who's done a GameCube uh, the fiber optic mods. Uh, and has noticed the increased quality, you can get the same thing over uh, HDMI connection. So uh, that's for uh, GC Video Digital. GC Video Analog does have that conversion. However, uh, the conversion does not mean it's going to be lossy like you would expect from a composite. It's still going to be a higher quality, and uh, you're still going to be able to enable progressive if you have a uh, CRT monitor that allows progressive video. It's not required, but if you have one, you can enable the progressive video. Either way, uh, the color uh, clarity is going to look so much better. It, it's really going to look so much better. Hmm. Uh, my own, I have a, a CRT television 
Uh, it's like a 30 to 36 inch. I'm not sure what size, but it's big. It's heavy. Okay, it's mm. it's large. Uh, the that television only accepts uh, up to 40i component. So I was lucky enough to uh, find a television that accepted component, but it is limited to 40i. The picture quality that I get off of component 480i. Some people are probably going to be uh, upset when I say this, but this is just my own personal opinion. That old television from 2001 compared to a brand new television that I have from 2015 or 14. I'm not sure how many years I've had it. Uh, in my opinion, I think the 480i component on that television looks better than 480 Progressive over HDMI. Oh. Now, that's only because only because if you factor in uh, the the sharpness that the CRT can create, the little pixelization of uh, of what's viewed on screen, the the glossy uh, tube, the glass tube in the front, you know, just bringing out all the colors. Uh, I really prefer the 480i. Uh, component, but uh, don't get me wrong. HDMI just looks amazing when you see it on a big 65, 80 inch screen. It's it's totally yeah. amazing. There. Yeah, I can't wait to do so. testing both on RGB monitors and also um, I just recently got a DVDO upscaler uh, and it, it yeah. works pretty good. But everybody's telling me wait till you see what you know like the 480p digital stuff is going to look like through it. It's a huge difference. So I'm really looking forward to see how that's going to look through it. Uh, what uh, what output does that uh, give you? The so um, I've been working with Firebrand X and the My Life in Gaming guys to because they're I mean they have a, a better eye for the upscaler stuff uh, and this one okay. outputs at 1080p. But what Firebrand X said was that he found to be special about it is you don't have to worry about integer scaling like on a FrameMeister. So when you right. use the zoom modes, when it zooms essentially from 480p to 1080p. Um, the way it processes it, every time you zoom, it keeps the integer, which means you don't get that weird aspect ratio difference. Right. So right. There's a no distortion like, of it. Yeah. So that's kind of the big deal with that one. And there, the lag is almost non-existent on them. It's pretty impressive, actually. It's less than a frame. Yeah. Yeah. Lag is – that's one of those – oh, that's a hot topic in itself. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, lag drives me insane. I can't I – can't, I have a hard time with the FrameMeister through my Plasma, which only has two frames of lag. I could actually feel that, that three and a half frames on average when playing like a, a high-intensity game, like the, the famous phone dork video where he's trying to do the Mega Man jumps. I was peeing my pants laughing at that because I went through the same thing when I was trying to play through Upscaler. Literally? No, not literally, but okay, just check <laughs> that had just, just been weird. <laughs> right. Well, but, yeah, it's uh, to, each, to each their own. Yeah. So, but um, that's actually the thing that I read about the GameCube video is that the way it's processed, the HDMI doesn't add any lag to it, but the analog one, it's actually less lag than the original. Now we're talking in you know microseconds that can't ever be detected by a human, but it still kind of cracked me up that it's more efficient than Nintendo's original processor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the difference in technology, you're talking about 2000, uh, like what? Well, uh, uh, yeah, 2000 technology, or was it 2001? Uh, I guess depending on what region you lived in, uh, versus current technology. 
yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be able to process faster. Uh, not by much, though, if you really think about it. It's really held its own. Definitely. So, uh, but we're but, going but still, in the right direction here, which makes me happy. So Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, that uh, reduced lag that you get, you know, is, is there – can there be such a thing as negative lag? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it. You're so used to playing like something like Smash, okay? You're, you're used to playing Smash on your CRT. You, you're, you've been playing on this TV for years. You know all your timings. You've got everything figured out. And now what if, because GC Video is faster, That's is, a good point. does that create a negative lag? That's a good point. That, uh, now, I don't – from what I've read, um, it's – it's such a small difference that I don't think it's humanly detectable. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, so but, almost uh, not even registrable, you know. But, I mean, what you especially you're talking human. about brought up something else, whereas, like, um, the one that pops into mind first, and it's probably a dumb example, but the game Checkered Flag for Jaguar had, like, the worst controls. It actually had controller lag on it. And somebody went and uh, kind of hacked into it and fixed a lot of that. And if you have a Jaguar, if you have, like, the skunk board... It actually plays better than the original. It plays technically with less lag than the original. So, it, you know, it, it's making me think of all the old ColecoVision games with controller lag, not video lag, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I wonder if then you would actually have the, you know, if there was ever, like, a ColecoVision tournament, you know, would you have negative lag results on some of them? That's neat. It's a, it's a weird thing to think about. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's, I mean... I got nothing but time to sit here and solder and think of crazy things. So yeah, that's that's one of that that was one of my concerns. You know, is negative lag a real? I mean, we know lag's real. Mm-hmm. It, can negative lag be real? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. That's funny. I'm sure. It would, I'm sure when the time comes for like game tournaments, that's probably going to be a factor at some point in life. So interesting. Uh, that's that's if this gets adopted into the uh, community, the Smash community. Mm. Uh, I, I, I really think, well, um, there's almost no reason to not adopt it. Uh, well, let's not even talk about the HDMI, okay? That's got its, you know, every HDMI uh, TV monitor, it's got its own uh, different type of lag for different reasons. Uh, right, yeah. Whether it's processing or just it's uh, 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 it's it's speed to be able to display the uh, data on screen, uh, but are but is it even noticeable? It's really almost not even noticeable at all. Or at least I can't detect it. Uh, uh, I'd really like to be able to get some big hitters to take a look and uh, see if they even notice any lag because I can't I can't see anything. But uh, but it still does have its place. Uh, GC video in like a Smash tournament mm-hmm. because like I said there is an analog board. So you can still use like the uh, 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 component video out, or uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, you'd want to use component, and there's also a way to connect both uh, analog and digital into your GameCube. So well, I guess let's could... talk about the analog options because that's why a lot of people okay. are asking on the forums and everything. So um, what? What connector are you using? How is it outputting? And what signals is it outputting, I guess? Oh, the connector thing. Okay. Uh, This kind of took me a while to uh, make a decision on. Uh, There was a bunch of early designs that required, uh, like, custom-made cables. 
And then I started thinking about it. Do I want to go out and have to force people to uh, get put on a custom cable? You know, the, what happens if they lose the cable? Dog chews the cable. You know, right. something happens. Uh, then they have to get another custom cable from me. Uh, what happens if I fall off a bridge and then I'm not around anymore, right? right. Where's the cable going to come from? So uh, as far as like long-term view, uh, uh, what I decided on was to use a Wii uh, connector style. The reason why I chose that is because if you get Wii component cables, you can just plug it right into the, uh, uh, the, the design that I've created, and you can get uh, component video out. It's that simple. Just plug in a Wii component cable, you get component video out. And you could get very good quality Wii component cables for cheap. Very, very cheap. Yes, yes. And Wii component cables are not going to go away anytime soon. No, because uh, you uh, so. Well, yeah, and, and look at uh, the multi-AV cable, Super Nintendo, uh, uh, Nintendo 64, GameCube. Th those cables have been around for years. They're not going anywhere. Right. So this is uh, – uh, so that's why I chose this decision because you can get – the type of cable you want from any anywhere. You get a monster cable if you want. It's like a Wii version. Makes so, total sense. Um, so just visualizing yeah. this then, when you're using the component video, so you have the Wii component video cable, you would just ignore the left and right audio from the Wii component video cable and use the Super Nintendo GameCube style multi-out to get audio from? Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 correct. Uh, but... I don't want to say you want to ignore the left and right on the uh, the Wii cable mm -hmm. uh, because if you want to display VGA signal, that left and right audio will actually transmit your horizontal and vertical. That's really awesome. Yes. So all you would need is just one of those basic uh, – um, uh, I'll get a link to it, but it's just one of those basic VGA style to you know the breakout things connectors. Yeah, uh, something that simple. So you get your Wii cable, you plug in your uh, your breakout, and then VGA, you're ready. So how is that selected? Is there like a switch on it? Is it auto detecting or something? I don't know how you'd auto detect. Uh, by the way, <laughs> yeah, the, well, it is auto detecting, but that depends. Uh, the easiest way to do it is if you want to have the ability to go between uh, component and uh, 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 VGA is uh, use a switch. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. Uh, what uh, Another way to go about it is if you don't want to like install a switch into your GameCube or do anything like that, if you open up the Wii uh, housing, the, the little part that plugs into the, uh, the the connector that plugs in. If you open that up and you just jumper two pins, it'll act as a sense to the uh, GC video to enable uh, VGA. That's very cool. Are you gonna have like a little guide up or just a diagram or something for people? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm gonna. I still gotta go through and do all the documentation on this. So after about another 25,000 solder points, I'll get right on that. So what happens if I order a Wii RGB cable and plug that in, an RGB SCART cable? Will I actually get 240p, 480i, RGBs output from it? Uh, okay, if you get a Wii 
RGB SCART, uh, if you just plug it in, then you will get component video. Okay. If you enable red, green, blue, whether, uh, whether it be by the switch or the little uh, 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 jumper that I talked about, mm-hmm. uh, then you can force it to output uh, uh, VGA or just regular uh, RGB uh, C-Sync. So uh, yes, if you if you put if you put a switch, put it in the position, and um, uh, plug in your SCART, yes, you will get it. Now, however, SCART does not support progressive. Right. right. Yeah. So. So that uh, that gets into if you're talking SCART, then you're actually talking the standard in Europe in their TVs. But if you're talking about using the SCART connector, but you're actually using a PVS, yes, PBS, yes, yes. Yeah, if you're just your using RGPS like the, what is it, 480p at that GS SCART. Yeah, is, is that right? Yeah. So if if you're going to use it for something like that, yeah, not a problem, not a problem. You'll be able to switch between component or uh, red, green, blue sync. Yes, not a problem. But uh, uh, you will not have uh, red, green, blue sync if you enable progressive mode. So then it would have to be the RGB, HV, so VGA or component. You would have to use VGA or uh, component. Makes sense. And that's fair because I think your average person that would want to use a SCART connector could uh, – I could see, especially if you're using the G-SCART switch, you know, you load up the menu in 480i, you select your game. If it goes to 480p and switches to component, the switch is already on that input, so then you just flip the button on your TV. So that actually – that would work in almost every scenario. Yes. Yes, it will. So for some of these installations, if people request, will they just have a switch in back that's RGB VGA component? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, I hadn't thought about that concept. Yes. Yes. Uh, not a problem. Because I just I I see this as I just a replacement for so many different things. You know, I I've, I have friends that have two GameCubes, one PAL and one NTSC, and they use the PAL one for, you know, for, for the RGB. For, and mainly yeah. really for any 240p games or the Game Boy Player. And then they have their other one for everything else. And, you know, I've I've modded the component cables, a couple of my friends did, which now, looking back, it's like, why would I have modded something so expensive? Why didn't I just leave it alone? But so this is just a replacement for well, all that Well, I mean, that's that's what we did, you know? That's That was that was the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to do what you got to do. So, uh, but no more of that. No more of that. Now, hopefully, there'll be no need to ever, ever have to sacrifice another uh, uh, official GameCube component cable. Hopefully, there'll be no reason to ever purchase it, unless you're just like a hardcore, uh, you know, collector. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's really almost no reason for it now. Yeah, and that'll also help with the price gouging as well. I've seen people sell those cables I- for three hundred and fifty dollars. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's going to help with price gouging. Uh, it, it Because, I mean, let's face it, it's not going to catch on. GC Video is not going to catch on. People aren't going to be aware of this stream right now. Uh, they're probably not going to see this or get linked to it, or maybe they don't even go to forums. You know, there's people that just read uh, uh, you know, just stuff on Craigslist or Reddit, and that's like all they know. True. But, uh, uh, I mean, the most important thing is to get the word out, you know, get people to stop spending uh three hundred four hundred dollars on that cable yeah don't do it yeah couldn't agree more 
So speaking of prices, have you had prices worked out yet? I know you're still in the midst of putting everything together, but is there, you know, uh, the HDMI, the analog, um, the price for both installations? Do you have any of that laid out yet, or are you still kind of in the midst of it? Yeah. Yeah, I like to uh, uh, make things easy for myself. Uh, it's all going to be the same price. So uh, whether you get the uh, the analog board or the digital board, uh, the base board, they're, they're the same price, exact same price, $50 base. Now, what, what that means is if you were to buy uh, the base board alone, if you're the type that likes to wire something up yourself, you could just wire it up. Wire it up yourself. Get you know, get everything. Uh, you could get your own uh, Wii connector or use whatever other type of connector you'd prefer. Mm -hmm. If you want to use uh, like one of those, uh, what is it, like the DIN connector? Yeah. If you'd rather put something like that on, you know, you know, it's fifty dollars for uh, like do-it-yourself guys. Um, there's another do-it-yourself version, uh, which is uh, the baseboard and a kit. Now we're only talking about fifteen dollars difference, so oh, the wow. price goes from uh, fifty to sixty-five dollars. That is not a huge jump, considering yeah. that it's going to be an entire assembled unit, where all you have to do is basically make uh, your twenty-two solder points. It's, twenty-two sounds like a lot, but it's not. Trust me. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're just they're 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 all in a row together. Two rows of eleven. That's it. But the cable will just uh, go right on there, and uh, you just solder it directly on. And then you mount it, and you're done. That's awesome. So yeah. it could really make the – other than opening the game, opening the GameCube, taking out all the screws, uh, that's going to be probably the longest uh, part of this. So uh, cool. you know, if you want to save that $15 and go through the process of all the wires, go right ahead. Or if you have an alternate idea in mind, like a portable – uh, you're building like a handheld portable GameCube. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I don't think I don't think the people that just buy the fifty dollar one would be worrying about the fifteen bucks. I think they would have completely different ideas altogether. Yeah, crazy, yeah, and that's what it's for. Stuff. Yeah, that's what it's for. Uh, now, uh, one question that I've been asked, uh, I don't know if you were gonna get to this, so sorry to steal your spotlight on the questions <laughs> here. But one question I've been asked is, do you have to remove the digital port? Mm -hmm. No. So you would just drill or, or cut a hole with a Dremel to fill whichever connector you were using then? Well, if you, if you, if you can imagine the backside of the uh, GameCube, it's got the, uh, the analog, the digital, well, depending on which GameCube you have. So mm -hmm. we're talking about the GameCube uh, Dull 001. <laughs> so it's got the, uh, the analog connector off to the right, the digital connector in the center, and then you can have to the left is where you can put... Uh, uh, GC video. Now, this is practical for the, the people that already own a GameCube component cable. They continue to utilize it. Or uh, uh, they can have HDMI uh, added on to the side so that no matter where you go to, if you're the type of guy that grabs GameCube by the handle and walks to your friend's house with it, you can connect your GameCube to just about any TV that there is if you had both analog and digital. And the, the, the benefits, gains of it, where uh, uh, if, if whether somebody happens to have a CRT or somebody happens to have a, uh, a, uh, a flat screen digital monitor. So, yeah, you, you can really just connect it anywhere. Hmm. That's awesome. That's really cool. And are, 
are people able to install both analog and digital at the same time, or does that require yes. trickery? Yes, you can install them both at the same time. Uh, if if you're going to install them both at the same time, then I would recommend uh, removing the digital port in the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would highly recommend doing that. Um, it's just going to make it uh, so much easier. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, you really wouldn't need the GC Video Analog, like I said, if you already have component cables. Component cables, right. So, but if you don't have component cables, then there's really no need to have the port. Right. Port's useless at that point. Right. Unless unless uh, you're hoping to possibly get like a future version of GC Video with plug-and-play. Yeah, so that's actually one of the other questions I wanted to ask. Um, so you'd mentioned that before I saw it in your video. So when is that on the horizon, and what exactly is that going to be like? Because if I remember correctly, the internal ones, the analog just works like you'd expect. The the HDMI port, does that have a... Um, there's no on-screen display with the HDMI port, is there? Which on-screen is- uh, display is on HDMI, yes. Oh, that's awesome, okay. Mm-hmm. So how is this going to work with the external versions then, the one that plugs just into the digital port? Okay, so uh, there's a couple of methods I'm still considering right now, so I haven't uh, decided on which method to go with at this time. Uh, but uh, I am leaning on an external control, not a controller, but an external control, whether it be uh, buttons that are on, on the uh, little plug-and-play adapter itself, the, the board, little buttons on it, push a button, access a menu, uh, uh, push another button, go up, go down, you know. But the thing is, is you really don't need to access the menu very often. Yeah, uh, I, imagine you, I wouldn't imagine that you would. Yeah, when you first get it, you're probably going to be going through the menu a lot, you know, playing with it, figuring out what works best for you, what what you like, what you don't like, uh, change into a different game, uh, and then it looks different, so you got to uh, find your happy medium. Uh, but then once you get all that worked out, you, you'll probably never go into the menu. Hmm. And what kind of basic options are in this menu? Are there things like scan lines? You know, are there any... Uh, any processing control, or is it basically or is it color controls, anything like that? Uh, the menu is just really limited in its functionality. It doesn't need much to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, scan lines. You can enable scan lines, uh, uh, disable scan lines. You can adjust the uh, uh, like the thickness of the scan lines, like how thick they appear, or or if you want to make them just a little bit lighter, you can. So. Uh, you have those options. There's um, uh, one option nobody should probably ever mess with is the enhanced DVI option. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should always be on. That's what enables your audio over HDMI. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, other than that, there's just other additional settings where uh, you can have specific profile. I don't want to say profiles, but specific settings for different uh, resolutions. So, so for like any games that are in 240p, you could always make it that scan lines are enabled by default. So that's, of course, oh, that's like Game really Boy cool. Player, right? It's always going to enable scan lines of Game Boy Player, but then you jump into a game like uh, uh, Smash Brothers um, uh, with 480p, well, scan lines won't be enabled. Very cool. That's a good option. And uh, other than that, just like changing the color of the menu box. And uh, if you don't like black or purple or, you know, you can make it pink if you'd like. Cool. Um, whatever. 
So the uh, the external version of that is there going to be different models, one that does everything, or is it still kind of uh, okay? Um, what I kind of have in mind for the external version is uh, the great thing about it is it's going to use the exact same circuit board, exact oh, same cool. that's going to be used in the internal version. Uh, so if somebody happens to uh, install it internally. Uh, and then they decide later, eh, I kind of want to plug and play now. Well, they can take it off, uh, get the plug and play upgrade kit, and uh, now they have a plug and play option. So uh, that's really what's also taken such a long process is trying to find such a uh, updatable, upgradable modular design and then have both those designs match in footprint. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then, so you're working two completely different circuits within a constrained footprint size of uh, 35 millimeters by 35 millimeters. So there was, there, there was a lot to it. Um, yeah, it's, but, it's not uh, easy. No, no. Uh, well, yeah, it was, but no, it was uh, <laughs> coming up with the concept of, of a direction was the hardest. Uh, after that was done, then yes, everything else just fell into place. But um, uh, the so the boards that are being released now, uh, they have the ability to even be upgradable with additional hardware if deemed necessary in the future. Uh, they have the ability to okay, so plug and play. Sorry. Um, uh, so a plug and play, it, like like I mentioned, if you install the uh, uh, if you install it internally, or if you just want to buy it straight out and help fund a plug and play connector that's going to be coming out, uh, and that's one of the problems with plug and play connectors, the sales from GC Video are going to fund the connector. So you know, the more that are sold, the then you know the guarantee we're going to have to have everything uh, plug and play. So if you just want to buy one and, and and help contribute to getting a plug and play connect uh, uh, solution faster, by all means, do it. Uh, I don't but, think you're going to have any problem selling these things out. So <laughs> we'll see, I guess. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So uh, uh, the plug and play connector, the kit, it's just real simple kit. The 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 the, the plug is going to be almost almost one to one of the original GameCube uh, component cable connector. Okay. Uh, the reason why I say almost is there's no really uh, no real need for that metal shielding mm -hmm. uh, that's around it. Um, uh, but uh, other than that, yeah, it's going to be pretty much a one to one almost one-to-one -one connector, and uh, the footprint's even going to be the same. Well, I, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you one even better. You talked about people that uh, may have modded their original component cable to get, like, the VGA, and let's say they killed the board, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say they killed the board accidentally, uh, and they just happen to put it to the side for uh, maybe it could be fixed later. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take that connector off, you can plug. You can connect it directly to GC video boards I've designed, and you oh. have plug and play immediately. Oh wow, that's pretty neat. 
Yeah. So the plug so, uh, takes your baseboard, the $50 baseboard, and that does that add the Wii connector and an HDMI port? Uh, sorry, what was that? So the, the plug-and-play uh, connector that you're – the kit, I guess, to say that you'll be coming out with. The install kit. The $50 uh, baseboard, and then that has uh, a Wii connector and uh, HDMI on it, and obviously the one that goes uh, into the GameCube, or is it just one or the other? Okay. Uh, yes. The uh, – if, if you get a uh, – uh, so we talked about the the price baseboard. The, the, just the base is fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. For sixty five, you get the base plus the install kit. Right. Uh, now, it whether you get analog or choose to get digital, it's sixty five dollars. Okay. Uh, if you want both, then it would be like sixty five dollars, uh, like for the cost of one whole kit, right? Mm-hmm. The, a baseboard and a kit plus the other board at 50 so you'd be saving an extra like 15 dollars so you could actually get like a dual kit mod uh for the exact same price kind of sort of okay so for the the external version it would be the same thing when when that is funded and comes out yeah external version is going to be the same thing well it's not going to be a 15 dollar difference uh well no i would not expect it to be the connector i mean in order to get this connector made you got to fire up a factory right right you got you got to fire up a factory get them to make it uh uh, get the products in you know uh inspect them make sure everything's working good uh or send them back have them remake them uh if they'll allow that so uh which it, it should, it should, everything should work out. Uh, the company I've been talking with, uh, uh, I think they got their act together. So, the uh, I'm sorry, uh, what was the question? No, so I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to picture. So I, I have a pretty clear idea. Oh, upgrade, upgrade prices like, are. Upgrade. I'm just trying to picture what okay. the external options are going to look like once you, um, you know, once it's released. Yeah. Okay. So for external option. Uh, I don't know how yet. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I just figured it out. Um, so you will be able to have uh, both analog and uh, uh, digital together in one, if you'd like, okay. in one uh, plug-and-play. Or if you just want, like, an HDMI plug-in, or if you just want a uh, a, uh, a uh, analog. Uh, analog plug-in, yeah, you could do that. Gotcha. But if you want to get both, yes. And uh, so, still, the option is going to be there for dual uh, uh, dual usage. The only problem that might run into is weight, hmm. because you're going to have your HDMI cable plugged in. No, while granted, it really doesn't weigh much, and then you have that Wii connector plugged in. Granted, also really doesn't weigh much, but you have the cable itself that's just hanging. Putting pressure off on it. back, so yeah, that could put some pressure, uh, maybe create some issues with it. But that's just something I have not uh, looked at yet, as far as the design, gotcha. to figure out how to alleviate the stress the best way. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's uh, it's, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the internal version is going to sell pretty quickly, and uh, I know it's going to be months away from the external, but. I think that might actually have the potential to sell more simply because a lot of people just want to literally plug and play. They don't want to deal deal with anything else. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I've I've also uh, come to that same conclusion that uh, there, the, you know, for any reason, there's just some people that just don't want to 
do anything to the console. Just don't modify it. Just leave it all original. I get it. Sure. Uh, by all means, if that's what you'd like, don't mod your console. Maybe you're even better off not modding the console. Like, let's say it's one of those special edition, like Tales of oh, Symphonia or, or right, the, exactly. uh, yeah. what is it, the, the, the baseball team. Right, the Tigers. Right, yeah, that's uh, right. The, the black and white striped, or if it's the yeah, special no Final Fantasy uh, pearl white uh, edition. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of reasons not to want to mod your console. But, uh, yeah, so plug and play will come back and uh, fit those people perfectly. Um, but it's, but in, in my opinion also, having an internal is also a safer solution in the sense that you won't lose a plug and play device uh you you won't uh uh dog won't chew it right 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 yeah i am um, i mean i just have the the basic black and purple game cubes the you know the ones that you can get a dime a dozen so i'm very much looking forward to the oh really where at <laughs> <laughs> let me know your source but um, yeah, but it's like uh, so. I, I imagine the same thing. If I had some rare console, I would never, I would never even deal with that. So yeah, that's that's right. a good option for everybody. So, um, and I guess are you offering installation services as well? How is it? You know, yeah. worldwide installation. People just ship you their console. Is there, is there cheaper options for people who live in faraway places who shipping you a console would cost more than the console and the board combined? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, uh, it's definitely not going to cost more than a component cable. Yeah, this is true. But I mean, I, I thought I rem- vaguely remember you saying something of like uh, like pre-modded units that you would be selling or something. Is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I forgot all about that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so I still have a small supply of uh, GameCube motherboards, and I can. Uh, uh, install these on like pre-modded, uh, I guess pre-installed uh, boards, uh, and sell them off that way. Or maybe I've also considered doing like a like a trade-in, where you know someone sends me a good motherboard, and I'll send uh, one back to them. Uh, maybe like at a discounted installation cost or something. Uh, just to, just to try to maintain a supply, right? Right. Uh, for some people who just cannot uh, have their board shipped, like uh, uh, someone out in Australia, out in the middle of nowhere, where it costs like fifty, sixty dollars to ship in a console to the to the mainland U.S. Yeah. So um, I've I've considered that, but also at the same time, it'd be sixty hertz console, not right. uh, not a PAL system. But it, it, it wouldn't matter on HDMI. No, and uh, if you're using Swiss, I think you could force modes on. Because when I had a yes. PAL console, I was able to force it to NTSC stuff. So. Yes, that's if you use Swiss. Right. If you use Swiss, and anybody that's still using uh, uh, SD boot, I, I got to say this, okay? <laughs> anybody that's still using SD boot or GCOS, stop. Stop using GCOS. Stop using SD boot. Use Swiss. Don't use an old version of Swiss from years ago. Use only the latest versions of Swiss. 
So okay, with your um with your drive replacement board um with the mm-hmm. SD card, can you actually have that boot directly to Swiss or? It can boot directly into Swiss. Yes, uh, it has the option. Like if if you have an SD card in the slot and it it'll detect it. Yes, it'll boot directly into Swiss. Gotcha. If not, it'll think you're trying to boot a DVD drive. So I just realized a bunch of people might not know the nonsense that we've just been talking. So the the things that we were just talking about, especially Swiss. Are, uh, you boot into this software first, and then it allows you to launch your games or discs even afterwards in which uh, in select aspect ratio and resolution. And it's been great for things like forcing modes and even some games that don't um, don't support it. It's great because the Swiss menu itself you could choose which uh, resolution you want it to boot in. So that's uh that's kind of what we've been talking about. So sorry for everybody that didn't know what that was, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad you covered that. Uh, I can't believe we didn't hit that topic. Uh, yeah. Swiss progressive forcing. So uh, let's take a game like Crazy Taxi. I've been playing that a lot recently. Wow, Crazy Taxi is such an amazing game. It's a, I, it, it's a great way to de-stress. It so it's is. A yeah, very good way to de-stress. <laughs> So and you know doing what I'm doing here, I take breaks and and you know, throw on some crazy taxi. It rejuvenates me, and I'm back soldering again. How miserable! So <laughs> um, the uh, what, what crazy taxi is? The game is natively 480 interlaced. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can display that off uh, GC Video Analog, GC Video Digital. Yes, you can. The important thing about Swiss is that it can force titles to display in progressive resolution. And uh, uh, that really brings out a lot more clarity uh, than just from the simple act of forcing the progressive style on there. Uh, So Swiss is definitely something you want to use for almost every game. I mean, you don't have to have a drive replacement. Okay, let's let's. Yeah, the sure way I've actually that. been using Swiss is I got, and you could get, um, as far as I know, any action replay disc, and then any of the memory card SD things, which you can get them on eBay pretty cheap. And if you rename the Swiss file auto exec, so for anybody that's 30 or older knows what that is, anybody else it means auto exec. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll actually just by booting to the action replay disk, boot directly into Swiss. So as long as you have a good working drive, uh, DVD drive, you could do it. You know, I always wondered though, how how do they make those action replay discs? Can can somebody pay somebody to make like an official like an official Nintendo Swiss disc so you can use it? Um, you could just boot right to that disc without uh, needing anything else. Oh, I can't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we'll talk about that not, after. But it, I, I can't say it's just not as simple as you would think. There's a couple of certain things involved that we cannot do in home technology-based uh Right, yeah, I was figuring you'd have to actually pay the people that make the act, the official licensed GameCube stuff, which then that's where everything gets weird, because you're not supposed to do that without Nintendo's permission and blah, 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 so... Yeah. There's other ways, there's other ways, but... Um, yeah. Well, if one of these I discs mean, it, it, it miraculously appeared on the market, that would be pretty awesome, so... Uh, yeah, it would, I, I'm hoping for that, but knowing what I know about this, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, unless you actually have like some type of like a uh, like a DVD fabrication factory that can 
do certain things for you that you can't do like at a like off your computer at home. I spent uh, a lot of time in China for my last company working with manufacturing companies. I'm pretty sure I can make one call, but then I'd be the one stuck selling them and be the one stuck getting the any problems that happened after it. So and that's if it works the first time. Yeah, it's true. So uh, th- there's a uh, uh, you know hopefully hopefully uh, I'm projecting hopefully like. 15 years from now, we'll have the technology to do this at home, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but at this point in time, no. Uh, if, you, if you're looking for a solution where you don't have to use uh, a drive replacement or anything like a, a, a Viper or a Cube or a Xeno, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the SD Media Launcher, uh, Action Replay, uh, or the pokey, uh, was it pokey hack or no, 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 the, uh, not pokey. Hack. It, no. oh, what is it? it's, it's the smash, the smash brothers. Uh, hack. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like smash stack for Wii, but it's like, like a GameCube version. Right. Uh, and there's different games that it supports. There's like a Pokemon, uh, uh, I think there's a metal gear solid possibly. Uh, and that's basically you boot to a game and then load a save file on that, that sticks you into an SD launcher type of menu, right? Yes. Yes. It's just like a backdoor. So that's another option, but that's a great option uh, for people that already own those games. But if you have to go out and buy the game to do this, I would say definitely just go get an action replay disc instead. Well, the other catch is you got to put a file on your memory card. So yeah. if you can't figure out how to uh, uh, do that part of it, then it's it's never going to happen. Hmm. Gotcha. So uh, other than that, uh, that's that. Oh, well, there's always PSO. PSO. Playsta- the the uh, not PlayStation. Sorry, the uh, uh, Fantasy Fantasy Star Online. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That's still a. Complicated. A possibility. That's I like to make things simple for people. I don't like to make things even crazier. So, yeah. Well, if you got nothing to do and like for a week or a month, (laughs) you're locked. Let's say you're locked up in a like minimal security prison, (laughs) access to a GameCube and a computer. You might want to spend your time trying to figure out PSO. This is fair. That's that is an option. Jeez. All right, man. Well, this was absolutely awesome. Uh, Anything else I forgot? Anything else to mention before we uh, before we sign off? How's your band? Uh, we still need a drummer. It's insane. Really? I the I the amount of of blatant sexism has been overwhelming. As soon as a guy finds out that a five foot tall, twenty four year old chick recorded the drums on the album, they disappear. <laughs> we had a guy the other wow. week who says he's been teaching drums for twenty five years. I played him one of the songs, Wrath of the Mini Ninja, my favorite song off the album, and I was in the room with her when she recorded the drums. Not in the control room, in the room with the camera. We recorded every all of, all of the takes, everything, and she played it exactly like you hear it on the album, and the drum teacher accused me of programming drums because he couldn't do the double bass the way she did. Wow. Yeah. So we have one friend you know, of ours that's filling in on drums, <laughs> but he's a buddy in another band. So we're we're stealing a drummer at the moment. So if anybody could actually play drums and they're in the New York area and they, you know they don't care that a chick wrote the drum parts, then please just send me an email if you know anybody. Do they did. have to. Do they have to have their own drum set and mode of transportation? We can provide <laughs> the drum set. They just have to get there. Yeah. Because if you know drummers. They, you, you always find drummers that either uh, don't have their own set or don't have a car or both. 
The don't have a car part we could work with because it's clo- where we're at is close enough to New York City where mass transportation's pretty pretty easy. But yeah, it just I, I've never in my life dealt with anything like this where you'll talk to somebody for two or three weeks, send them the songs, send them versions of the songs with no drums and a click track to practice to, and they show up and don't know one note. I mean, could you imagine showing up as a job like as a mechanic but you've never worked on a car before? Like what, the, what is I think wrong? I've with seen some mechanics like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's mind-numbingly annoying sometimes, but that's the only thing stopping us now. We actually missed a tour opportunity because we didn't have a reliable drummer. So not a big wow. one. It's only been like a week long, but so yeah, that's the only thing. You know, I, I I will say this. That happened to Maiden. Remember? Yeah. They yeah. didn't have a drummer. They didn't have one, and they were about to go on tour. They found one. Look what happened. Yeah. Nick was amazing. Yeah. That happened to Dream Theater too. They uh, when they got rid of Charlie Dominici, yep. they tra- uh, I think for a year they toured as an instrumental band before they got James Labrie. So, hey, maybe this, you know this I was I uh, w- when I saw the uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the song the the in studio video the the strength to be yeah yeah strength to be there you go uh, when I was watching the video I was thinking what happened they fired the drummer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't – and now you're over here saying that you had drummer problems. Yeah. And yeah, I was just funny. thinking that in the back of my mind. Ah, they fired the drummer already. <laughs> well, it's actually funny because the original video we did of the song Live Your Way, we the drummer that we've been to- uh, touring with at that point just said, I don't, I don't want to drive anywhere anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. So we obviously – you know, it was a friendly goodbye, but we want to play as many shows as possible. And that happened a week before the video shoot. So the twins, Gina and Joe, the bassist, are are both twins. Their older brother used to play drums. So we called him up. It was actually on their birthday. I kind of pulled him aside at the bar like, hey, you want to be in a music video? He's like, yeah. Like, you want to play drums in a music video? What? (laughs) So he had to learn, relearn how to play drums and learn how to play the song in about three days in order to shoot that video. So the guy in the original music video wasn't even the drummer. He was just the older brother because we thought it would be a fun fit for the video. But yeah, Gina, as as far as I'm concerned, Gina's the drummer too. She just can't do all three at the same time live. So if nothing else, we just need somebody to show up and play the live stuff with us. You know, I noticed you also wore a game theme t-shirt. I always do. I always try to cross over my (laughs) I always try to nerd out and have something both video game and heavy metal related at all times. (laughs) I was, I was showing, uh, I was showing your video to uh, one of the guys in the forums, uh, uh, emo kid, the guy that writes Swiss. Oh and, yeah, yeah, I've talked to him before. I like him. And uh, uh, so I'm telling him, I said, "Yeah, you know, hey, check it out. This is this is your band." And he says, "Which one are you?" I said, "Look at the shirts." <laughs> <laughs> always, always try to do something like that. Yeah, that I didn't, I didn't catch the shoes though. I didn't see the shoes in the <laughs> other video. <laughs> I was laughing so freaking hard. I wore those shoes and Zelda socks. Not that anybody would ever see this because <laughs> I knew and it made me happy. So, <laughs> yeah, always try to always try to cross them over. It's kind of fun. So. And it's also fun to run into people that know both worlds too. You know, I was at I was at a bar the other day and somebody had the coolest Zelda shirt on. I took a picture of him. I was like, "Look, man, I don't want to be a creeper, but I actually run a, a video game website and that shirt's hilarious." He's like, "Oh, what website?" And I told him, "He's like, I just bought one of your boards like a week ago." <laughs> so it's <laughs> nice. neat, and we sat there talking about heavy metal for ten minutes, drinking beer. So it's it's fun when the worlds uh, cross over together like that. I guess. Yeah, it's it's amazing how small it is. 
you just run into people all the time that you know, not, not even expecting to. You just run into people. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh, what's your thing with music? You just a hard rock, heavy metal fan? Do you play in a band too as well or anything? Or? I don't currently play uh, with anybody. Uh, I am a bass player. Uh, oh, sweet. About 25 years, about, about that. Um, yeah, I had my times gigging in the bars and doing other things uh but um uh yeah no i i don't play anymore i don't have time i'm soldering there's no time to play it's Fifty-two thousand solder points there's no time to Fifty-two thousand solder points i can't can't do bass bass in my schedule right now so uh but no i i do have a musical background long history and uh as far as like music i listen to uh i mean i just i really really like maiden i can listen to it every day you know all day every day that's that's actually the only uh, music that I have in my Jeep. That's oh, it. Yeah? I don't have any other tracks from any other band, only because I've just kind of grown tired of music. Um, uh, I mean, not to say anything about your music, but I've just stuff. But. I've just grown tired of of you know, music on the radio, current radio airplay music. It just it just doesn't. I don't feel it. So. Uh, I just I stick to my maiden. I just yeah. reverted. Went, went, I went full maiden. <laughs> you never I go see. full maiden. I went full maiden. <laughs> I've seen them live so many times. I absolutely love those guys. Always yeah. Uh, my uh, my son. He's uh, he's about ten now. He's been to like six maiden shows. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, he loves them. He he really loves and enjoys it. Uh, oh, did you see the uh, stream? Uh, there's going to be a stream, live stream. Next week, yeah, next I, Thursday. I, I, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, this is something you want to broadcast. I don't know if you can edit this or anything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, we should let everybody know the live Iron Maiden stream. Yes. Their last, their last tour date uh, It's going to be free for everybody. I believe it's this coming Thursday streamed. Yeah, I think I, I think I retweeted yep. through the band Twitter account, but I should do that on Retro RGB just in case. I know there's a bunch of metal fans that uh, that read the page, so why not? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. I couldn't uh, attend because they just came. They didn't even come anywhere near Texas, oh. so forget about it. I I, I couldn't attend. Hmm. Yeah, I caught him at the garden through this one. So yeah, lucky. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much for everything. I really appreciate this, and uh, I'll keep everybody who's listening posted on when these go up on sale. I'll tweet about it immediately, so you don't have to wait till the podcast to hear it. And uh, yeah, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. All right, thank you for having me. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye.